0: Well, again, uh, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful to be able to share with you today. We're going to talk about divine rhythms. And so I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas uh, spent with your family, and uh, that's a, a great uh, kind of rhythm that we all get into every year. And so last week, we celebrated the birth of Jesus, which happened some uh, 200 and uh, 20,000 years, uh, years ago. And so, uh, sorry, 2022-ish years ago. So there was a man named uh, Dionysius Exegus, and he was a Christian monk. And he established the um, Anno uh, Domini dating system in 525. Um, I wonder if my gain is just a little bit high, Um. And so Anno Domini means uh, in the year of the Lord uh, in Latin. And so it's, it's abbreviated A.D., as in A.D. 2023. And so according to that system, Jesus was born in 1 A.D. And then each year after that, we have a specific length. So that we have the, we have the Julian calendar system. Uh, thank you. And and in the the Julian calendar system, one year was 365.25 days long. But in the year 1582, a pope, Gregory II, instituted what we now have, which is the Gregorian calendar system. And so now our year is 365.2422 days, and that more accurately reflects the way that the earth revolves around the sun. And so now we have a more accurate year, a more accurate leap year. So there have been 2,022 some revolutions around the sun since Jesus came to earth as a baby boy in Bethlehem. And this is a predictable cycle, 24 hours a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. There are seven days a week. There are 52 weeks a year. And then it repeats. It's it's a cyclical rhythm, and and there's some debate as to whether the ancient Babylonians or as to whether the ancient Israelites started the seven-day week, but if you read Genesis, you know that God was the one who started our seven-day week. But there's a whole mess of history that has led us to measuring time as we currently measure it, but where there's no debate is that time has a rhythm to it. But what if there wasn't a rhythm to the passing of time? What if time wasn't cyclical, as in 24 hours and 365 days and, and a year? But what if time was linear? What if, what if the sun and the earth moved forward on this linear path of, exi- of existence? So, so the sun and the earth are just traveling through space side by side, on this parallel trajectory. So the Earth never rotates, and it doesn't go around the sun. So days don't exist, and years don't exist. There's just a sun and the Earth traveling through space. What what would be different about that? Well, everything would feel like one long, continuous day, right? And so when things are good, life would feel good. And it would feel like it would just last forever. But when things are bad in one long, continuous day, man, there, is, there would feel like there is no end to the pain and suffering. And so if there's no rhythm to time, no discernible way to, d- to tell one day from the next, our suffering would intensify by many orders of magnitude. But what if, what if the earth rotated but didn't revolve around the sun? So you would have days, but you wouldn't have years. Well, we would have to keep track of time differently in that case, too. And so today would not be December 31st, 2023. This would be day 738,520 since Jesus was born. Alyssa and I got married on July 28th in 2007. But that wouldn't be the day that we would keep track of. We would keep track of the day 732,884 since Jesus was born. So without years, we would have a totally different rhythm. So aren't you thankful that we have the rhythms in place that we do, that we have a rhythm in our time? And so what what is rhythm? Well, first of all, uh, rhythm is one of the trickiest words to spell in all of the English language And I misspelled it numerous times as I was uh, typing this out. So you might find a misspelling on the slides. We'll see. But rhythm is order. Rhythm is intentional. Rhythm is designed. Rhythm is this repeatable pattern that we have. And so patterns are discernible by intelligent beings. There's rhythm everywhere. There's rhythm in everything. And since there are patterns and rhythms everywhere, there's, there's actually a philosophical debate right now as to whether or not true randomness exists or a lack of predictable pattern or rhythm. And since rhythm is noticeable, um, it also tends to uh, become kind of like this baseline that we may take for granted. We don't always notice um, everything that is happening around us. But what we do know is that God loves rhythm. And in Genesis 1 we see this rhythm that God produces uh, that he starts with. And there's this rhythm even in how it's written. And God said is repeated over and over in Genesis 1. And there was morning and there was evening is repeated in Genesis 1. So God establishes this rhythm of time. Six days shall you work and on the seventh rest. This is predictable. It's a repeatable pattern. And God said the sun will rise in the morning and the sun will set in the evening. And then the next day, it's gonna happen again. 365.2422 days every year, and then the next year will begin. And so the Earth has a predictable pattern of rhythms that has, it has had for ages. Now, have you ever seen um, any of these images from space um, of the Earth that it's like appearing to breathe? Uh, through the seasons and through the passing of time. And so in this, uh, it, it shows diff- all the different species of mammals and, and reptiles, um, of birds and of humans, and how we are all interconnected into um, this earth that is seeming to breathe with the passing of time and the 7.4 billion humans, which I'm told that number is going up uh, this year, closer to eight billion, and we're all clinging to this breathing, floating rock in space. Um, And Earth is an absolute miracle that it exists. And so, um, in, (laughs) in the way that we are created, we have this system on a macro level and on a micro level. So, on a macro level, the Earth is breathing, but on a micro level, speaking of breathing, You have a rhythm inside of you that is designed to flourish the human uh, population. So your lungs expand and contract and take oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. Your heart beats in this predictable rhythm. And when it doesn't beat in a predictable rhythm, we have a word that is a rhythmic word to uh, describe what that is. And it's arrhythmia, which means your heart is without rhythm. It, It doesn't have rhythm. And so when your heart is not beating in a predictable, rhythmic way, you feel off. Something inside of you is, is wrong. Your rhythm is off. And I love this definition um, and this example of lungs from the American Lung Association. So the lungs are a miracle of design. They pack some 480 million gas exchange units into a small area. They're arranged end-on-end. The tubes of our lungs would stretch for 1,500 miles. And each day, we take some 20,000 breaths, about 7.5 million breaths each year. I love that the American Lung Association says that our, our lungs are a miracle of design. Our hearts are another example of this internal rhythm that is designed for our benefit. And so our hearts beat about 100,000 times a day and uh, 35 million times a year. There's also a rhythm to the way that our brains work, to the brain activity and the brain functions that we have. And so there's different categories of brain patterns and brain waves. And so there's gamma waves, there is... um, Beta waves, gamma for insight, beta for alertness, all the way down to delta for deep sleep. And so hopefully your brain hasn't entered into delta as I've been speaking here. Um, But going even deeper, we have a rhythm at the cellular level. We have rhythm at the molecular level of our biology. And all of this to say, you can wake up now, all of this to say that rhythm is a vital part of our life. Without rhythm. We would cease to exist. Without rhythm, our planet would not exist. And so we're about to enter into a new cycle, a new rhythm, a new year, 2024. We're leaving this old cycle, this old rhythm, this old year 2023 behind. And so for some of you, 2024 cannot come soon enough. You've had a very difficult year. Maybe lots of pain and loss but for others, maybe 2023 was a good year overall. And so you're cautiously optimistic about 2024. But after 2020, it feels like it's a little tough to be fully optimistic about the possibilities of a new year, right? I remember um, as, as we kind of turned the corner on 2020 from 2019, all of these social media posts and articles were, were saying things like, make 2020 the best year of your life. And how did that turn out? Well, personally, for me, um, 2020, it included the death of a loved one, uh, survived layoffs, receiving unwanted and threatening ultimatums, moving to a new city, anxiety, anger, and despair. And then there was um, rioting and looting in the city that we lived in. And there was also this tiny little thing called the global pandemic. And so I was so ready for 2021 to arrive, but I became a little more cautious after that about what would happen in the new year. So every time we turn into a new year, we have a couple things. We have the ending of an old year, which provides a great opportunity for reflection. And then we have the beginning of a new year, which provides a great opportunity for utter dependence on the Lord. The ending of an, of an old year provides a great opportunity for reflection, and the beginning of a new year provides a great opportunity for utter dependence on the Lord. So as we close out 2023, here are three ways to reflect. Number one, give God credit for what he has done this year. Give God credit for what he has done this year. So how do, how do we know what he has done? How do we know the work of God? Oftentimes we say, I want to see what God is doing. I want to know what he has done. And some of us think, God, can you just show me what you are going to do in advance, right? Give me your script. Give me the the future things that you want to do and tell me that in advance. Or maybe we think, God, show me today what it is that you are doing in my life. And all of those are valid things, and sometimes those things happen. But most often we see the work of God in the past, as we reflect on past events, we see the areas and times that God showed up. And this is often how we see what God does in our lives. This is where writing down your prayers, if you, if you are one who likes to write down your prayers throughout the year, writing down your prayers is so helpful because you can write a prayer to God and then at the end of the year, you can look back and see what God did to answer it. And so many times we pray for something and then we wait. But God actually answers it. And so in, instead of just going through and praying and then forgetting what we prayed for and moving on, if we write down the prayer, we have an opportunity to be thankful to God for the ways that he answered that prayer. But sometimes we, we just kind of move on, or worse, we take credit for the thing that we got through. Maybe we think that we got through that event based on our sheer willpower or by our talent or by our effort. So what has God done for you this year? Give him credit for it and think back. This is a great opportunity for children and adults to give God glory, the glory that he deserves for the things that he brought us through in 2023. Number two, pray for healing from the wounds received in 2023. Now, maybe 2023 didn't have the same level of woundings as a a previous year, like 2020. 2020. But you've likely experienced some measure of pain this year. And so everyone has their preferred method of coping with pain. And I come from a long line of stuffers, you know what I mean? Uh, we are really good at stuffing problems. And so if I internalize everything, if it gets buried deep enough, it can't hurt me anymore, right? And so the, but the problem with stuffing is that eventually um, stuffing leads to exploding because the pressure from all of that bottled up pain inside eventually boils over. And so sometimes as a stuffer, I try to medicate the internal stuffing by um, filling my insides with comfort, food or TV or screen time. And so I try to medicate it until I think I, I won't think about it anymore. So I don't need to tell you what a bad strategy that is. So instead, as you close out 2023, pray about the wound. And you might not have names for them You could just pray, God, please heal me from the wounds in 2023 Or you might have names for them God, please heal me from the bitterness God, please heal me from my wounded ego God, please heal me from that insistence that I have To hold on to the grudge in my workplace God, I don't want to carry this into 2024 Please heal me from the wounds that I had in 2023 And number three Ask God to help you understand what he wanted to teach you in 2023. So next week, we're going to start a brand new sermon series called Out of the Wilderness. And in this, we're going to take a look at what happens to people in scripture when they enter into the wilderness. And so there are various ways and various people in scripture that enter into a wilderness state. So we're going to find out how they got there what they learned when they were there, what God wants to teach us through them as they go into the wilderness and how they can get out, how they did get out if they did get out of the wilderness. And so a good father is a good teacher. God loves to teach his children more about him and more about what they need to know from him. So we want to ask God to help us see what he was teaching us in 2023. So after we reflect on that, now it's time to turn to the year ahead. And so we're going to look forward. And now there are so many books that have been written on how to maximize uh, the new year, living your best life in 365 days, lose 365 pounds in 365 days, eating only kale and mozzarella sticks. Um, I wish that was true. But, but the, reali- the reality is that you likely have some things that you want to be different this year. Maybe you have some resolutions that you want to address. Maybe you want to lose weight, which is always in the top three of new, resol- uh, new Year's resolutions every year. So maybe you formulate a plan. You psych yourself up, and January 1st hits, and you think, well, I mean, it's still a holiday on January 1st, and I still have two dozen Christmas cookies to eat, plus the holiday ham. I'm going to start tomorrow. And so then January 2nd hits, and you get a membership to a local gym, and you're pumped, you can do this, and you work out. And then you head home to polish off the rest of that holiday ham. But you keep working out the rest of that week, right? And then week two happens and you're still kind of psyched up. But by week three, statistically, most of us are losing interest, right? And in Febu- by February, the majority of people have already given up on their resolutions. So again, pages have been written on why resolutions fail. But one simple reason is that change is hard. And if you want to change habits, it requires a massive amount of effort and dedication. And most of us just feel like we don't have the time for that. We also tend to think about it in huge chunks. We think about the entirety of the change over time. We usually think about where we want to be or where we think we should be. And we aren't satisfied until we get there. So we're often get, we often get overwhelmed by the amount of change that we need in order to get to that specific goal. So when we try to lose weight, we think about the entirety of the amount of weight we, we want to lose. So if I say I want to lose 30 pounds, in my mind, I'm going to ex- obsess about the total amount of that weight until it all goes away. And that's just going to sit in my brain, this massive goal, and there is only relief in my mind when that goal is finally achieved. And so mentally, I'm taking on this resolution through the entire year all at once, and it's too much to handle. And I don't know about you, but I have made one-year plans and I've made five-year plans that have exhausted me. And so what I'm doing is taking on more than I was meant to take on. And, and Jesus actually offers us a better solution than trying to take all of this on at once. And it's a simple principle, and it's found in both the Old and the New Testament. And it's this idea of the daily provision. So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 6. So, again, a new year is a great opportunity to find utter dependence in the Lord. So, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. So, we're going to start in verse 7. The preface for this beautiful prayer is, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So so what's the point, right? Why pray if God already knows what we need? Why doesn't he just give us what we need without us asking so we can move on? Well, the book of James addresses people who have decided not to pray. And so James chapter 4, 2 to 3 says, you desire and do not have so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You do not have because you do not ask. A few verses later, um, after Jesus shares the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, Jesus says this, So God knows what I need, but He wants me to ask for what I need. Why? Well, it, it takes humility to admit that I need something. I realize just how dependent I am when I have to ask for something that I need. Our our two sons, our two boys, need food and water every day, every single day. It's kind of annoying, <laughs> but we, we provide food for them every single day. We know that they need it, but we still want them to learn humility and to ask and to say please and thank you, maybe to ask for seconds, please. Our boys also love Orange Fanta, and they ask for it all the time, and as their father, I know that they need Orange Fanta as much as I need to eat 37 Christmas cookies, but as their father, I also want to give them good things, things they desire, things that they like. But if I gave them Orange Fanta for every meal, they'd have all kinds of early onset health problems. So they get to drink Orange Fanta on occasion when we make their dreams come true. But, <laughs> but they always have their food and their water needs met. And if I'm honest, Alyssa is much better at regulating the food that our boys eat than I am. But what we're doing is we're trying to to raise humans that are not entitled. Have you met people who seem entitled? They, they don't ask for their needs. They demand them. They're pushy. They're rude. And this is what happens when people receive their needs without asking for them. They just expect them. They feel like they are entitled to them. And in their mind, they're owed whatever they need. And there's this old adage that says, real power means never having to apologize. And I think you could adapt that saying to a person who is entitled by saying real power means I never have to ask for any of my needs. A person who is completely independent, who is completely filled with power, or who has a very strong desire to be in control of every situation is going to struggle mightily to ask for something they need. They don't think they have a single need that they can't take care of by themselves. So one of the reasons that we pray and we ask God for our daily needs or our daily provision is that we're really needy people. The sooner we realize how needy we are, the better. That God is the provider and I am not. I need to recognize my position before the Lord and my position is not one of power, but of humility. So we're going to look at the second section of James 4. So the rest of this section after James 4 that we read earlier says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep over your sins. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom when you sin. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Pray to him. Ask for your daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. We need daily bread. We need daily food. God knows this, but we ask him each day for his daily provision. We want to admit our dependence on him to sustain us. And this is a daily opportunity that we have. In fact, Jesus uses the language of daily bread for a reason. He doesn't say, give us this week, our weekly bread, or give us this year, our yearly bread, or even give me a lifetime supply of bread for all of my needs. You know what, God? Don't stop there. Give me a lifetime supply of water, actually make it orange Fanta, and Doritos and cheesecake. Uh, That would be great, God. Thank you. No, Jesus invites us to pray like he does. Give us this day this very day that we are praying, not tomorrow, give us this day. Because here's the thing tomorrow is not guaranteed. In fact, Jesus warns us about looking too far ahead. At the end of Matthew chapter 6, so we looked at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 earlier. This is the end of chapter 6 and verse 31 uh, that says this Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So when we start filling our minds with these plans and anxieties for tomorrow, we just make ourselves more anxious and more overwhelmed. And so Jesus comes to free us from the tyranny of this mindset to free us from the constant worry. And some of you are already thinking about all the things that you have to do in 2024. It's already consuming a massive amount of space in your mind. And you have all these goals, which are good. You have all these plans, which are good. And you have all all these things that maybe you want to avoid that were bad last year, which is also good. But when you add all of that up and you you think about it in the entirety of the year, you just start to fail before the, the year even begins because you're overwhelmed with the anxiety of it all. So Jesus provides us some relief here. Father, give us this day our daily bread. Help me to focus this day on the daily provision. Help me to accomplish what you want me to accomplish this day. Tomorrow is going to have enough to worry about on its own. Today, I'm going to focus on today. And God tried to teach the Israelites this lesson uh, when they begged for food and he gave them manna. How many days of manna did he provide Did he give them a week's worth of manna, a month's worth of manna? No, God gives them one day, one day of manna. And if they collected too much and tried to hoard it and keep it for the next day, it's spoiled. Jesus also tells this this parable in Luke 12 that goes like this. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. The rich man literally did not have tomorrow. He was storing up goods for years and he made these big plans and he was thinking ahead and he thought he had all these years to relax, to eat, drink, and be merry, but God didn't guarantee tomorrow. And this isn't a morbid fact as much as it is a simple reality. Today is the only day that we can even find a small amount of confidence in. Because who knows, maybe Jesus comes back tomorrow. I hope he does. I may die tomorrow. So yes, it is a good thing to plan. It is a good thing to set goals. It's it's maybe good even to set a few New Year's resolutions. But Jesus invites us to focus not on the entirety, not on tomorrow, but on today. One day at a time. And honestly, this is the best way to achieve anything, to achieve any long-term goals. There's a a pastor and author, Mark Batterson, he wrote a book called Do It for a Day. And in it, he quotes this man named uh, Darren Hardy, Who said, the accomplishment of any goal is the progressive accumulation or compound effect of small steps taken consistently over time. And then later, Batterson says, We are what we are because of what we do every day. We are what we are because of what we do every day. He talks a lot about habits. All of us have these micro-habits and these macro-habits. So a micro-habit is something like the way you brush your teeth or the way that you hold a fork, and a macro-habit is any coping mechanism that maybe you use um, when you are feeling defensive or maybe you use when you're criticized. So starting starting in 2020, uh, one of the macro-habits that I picked up to cope with the amount of stress that I was dealing with was snacking. Um, I also stopped exercising. I loved snacking on anything, but particularly, I loved double-stuffed Oreos. Man, I don't know what they put in those, but it sends off fireworks in my brain when I eat them, and I literally can't eat one. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they do in those. It's probably illegal. But at, my, my addiction to double-stuffed Oreos was so bad that when I had COVID and I lost my sense of taste and smell, I still ate Oreos. I couldn't taste them, but it was the texture. Even the texture was soothing and comforting to me. And I thought, okay, I want an Oreo to be the first thing that I can taste again. So I thought, maybe this one will be the one that I can taste. (laughs) Maybe this one. Maybe this one. So you'd think that, you know, losing your sense of taste and smell would mean you lose weight. No, I gained weight during during that time. But if you've ever tried to... um, (laughs) go without something that you have craved like that. You know what a challenge it is. And so earlier this year, I felt like I needed to try to get back into some semblance of shape, a shape that's a little less round. Um, And so I thought there's some things that I need to work on, but I started to get overwhelmed by it because I I thought about the entirety of the problem. I thought about where I wanted to be versus where I was, and it was overwhelming. And then a couple things happened. I was reading devotionally through Matthew, and this idea of the daily provision uh, struck me again. And then I also read about uh, the race to the South Pole in 1911. Are you, are you familiar with this? So there's a, there's a guy named uh, Roald Amundsen. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, and he looks like a very happy man. <laughs> uh, um, he took an expedition to Antarctica, and he became... Uh, to become the first team to reach the South Pole. And there was another man named Sir Falcon Scott, which is just a fantastic name. He took his own expedition in 1911, and he wanted to be the first to reach the South Pole. So they're both doing this in 1911, two different teams. They had different ideologies, different ways of doing it. They had very different um, teams and strategies And so the race was on. But there was one difference that stood out between the two teams. So Amundsen's team, they took a calculated and a measured approach. And so after some mild setbacks, they eventually settled into a rhythm. And they did their best to travel a similar length of time every day. So if the weather was good, they traveled for five to six hours. If the weather was bad, they traveled for five to six hours. Even when they made good time on good days, they still cut themselves off at traveling for five to six hours. And so this kept them refreshed and rested. On the other hand, Robert Falcon Scott's team, which again, is just a fantastic name, He went as fast as he could with his team, as far as he could whenever the weather was good. So they would push themselves and maybe go as many as 30 miles in one day, but then they'd have to rest for maybe three days afterwards because they were exhausted. They would rush and then stop and rush and then stop and rush and then stop. And guess who made it to the South Pole and back? It was Amundsen's team, the one that traveled for five to six hours whether the weather was good or not. Captain Robert Falcon Scott's team, sadly, they did make it to the South Pole, they made it after Amundsen's team, but then they died from exhaustion on their way back. And it's a tragedy, right? But it's it's a tragic story with an invaluable lesson, and it's a lesson that God has been trying to teach human beings for centuries. And what is the lesson? Daily rhythm. This is the day. Daily provision. Is vital. It is literally designed into the fabric of our existence. We have these macro rhythms like days and years and rhythm cycles of time. We have these micro rhythms like the beating of our hearts and the breath of our lungs. It's almost like God wanted us to feel his rhythm inside of us each time our heart beats, each time we take a breath, it is God's daily rhythm inside of us. And every single day, we have this opportunity to worship God through the daily provision. And we worship a creator who loves rhythm and he revealed his divine details in numerous rhythms and designs and patterns throughout creation. And so each day, Day by day, whether it's good weather or bad, good seasons or bad, good feelings or bad feelings, when we want to and when we don't, our rhythm is to worship. So maybe your New Year's resolution will include something physical, like losing weight. Maybe it's going to include something mental, like taking care of your mental health. Maybe it's going to include something emotional, like you're going to write the highs and lows of your days and then give them to the Lord each day. Or maybe it's going to include something spiritual. If it includes something spiritual like reading scripture, prayer, fasting, generosity, or, or service, if you choose a spiritual goal, maybe you try to read scripture each day for five minutes or 10 minutes. You can even set a timer. So each day, whether you feel like it or not, you're going to read scripture for five minutes. And if you're feeling good and want to keep going, that's great. But it might help you to develop a rhythm by reading for the exact same length every day. And so just like the South Pole Expedition team who went five to six hours, regardless of whether the weather was good or whether it was bad, they kept the same daily rhythm. And that's how these good habits end up being formed, these good rhythms. And so when I started uh, earlier this year about getting serious, about um, making my shape less round, I set a daily goal of 15 minutes. And so I said, I'm going to exercise for 15 minutes, whether I want to or not. And eventually, those 15 minutes became a habit. And now, at first, finding 15 minutes in my day was, was really hard. It was very hard, actually. My schedule is kind of all over the place. I sometimes have late nights. I sometimes have early mornings. And depending on the week, I don't know um, whether I'm going to have a consistent time or not. So um, whether, whether it happened in the morning or lunch or evening, um, at the beginning of every day, I try to plan 15 minutes somewhere. And so after a while, 15 minutes became a routine. And then somehow, I had this desire that I wanted to spend even more time, and so 15 minutes expanded after a while. But if I'm honest, I fell off the wagon this last week, um, so I need to start over again. But all of this started with this concern, and then this desire to have a daily rhythm, a daily devotion. And so it started by asking the Lord for daily provision. Lord, please help me this day. Tomorrow is its own thing. I'm not going to worry about that. I might not even be here then. So please help me this day. If it is your will, help me to exercise for 15 minutes today. How many to read scripture for 10 minutes today, for 5 minutes today. Jesus provides these incredible ways that we can come to him and ask for his help daily. He provides another rhythm at the end of his life. And he wants his disciples to follow this. He gathers all of his disciples in a room, and he tells them that he's going to suffer and die. He says he's going to be betrayed by someone there in the room. And as they're sharing this meal, he breaks bread and he blesses it. Father, give us this day our daily bread. And he gives it to his disciples to eat. He delivers to them their daily provision of bread in that moment. And then he takes the cup. And he blesses it. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And then he gives them the rhythm. Here it is. Every time you eat the bread and drink of the cup, every single time, remember me, he said. Every single time. This is a rhythm. Eat, drink, remember. Eat, drink, remember. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day eat this daily bread and remember. Rhythms are in place for our benefit. If I don't establish them, I'm going to drink Orange Fanta and eat Oreos all day, every day. I'm going to neglect scripture. I'm going to neglect prayer. I'll neglect generosity. I'll neglect serving. I'll neglect loving others. Rhythms are in place for our benefit. And so, in a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come. We've got four stations in the room to receive the bread and the cup. And and this is a table that is set for believers. The Apostle Paul warns that those who have not yet followed Jesus should wait to come to the table. And so if you haven't yet trusted Christ, man, we're so thankful that you are here, first of all. You are welcome here. But this is not a time of judgment. No one is going to notice who comes up and who stays seated. So maybe this is your time, if you're not a follower of Christ, that you pray to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Come to him with humility. Admit that you are needy. Admit your need for him. Ask him to come into your life. Maybe for the first time ever, you can seek first the kingdom of God. So for the believers of the room, take this time to reflect and remember Christ. So after I pray, please come forward. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the daily provision that you modeled for us, for praying, give us this day our daily bread. Help us as we are getting ready to go into a new year, enter into a new rhythm, and spend a a new cycle of time with you. Help us each day to remember how we have been made and why we have been made. Jesus, it it is your life that we want to serve and we want to follow so help us to do that. Thank you for the, the model and the example that you were for us. As we take this communion, Jesus, please fill us with your spirit. Help us to, to reflect. Help us to remember. Help us to see and know what you want us to see and know from the past year and for what we have ahead of us. I pray this in your name. Amen.